spruce things up a little bit every year. Hi, welcome to another home edition episode of Open Mic with Kevin Dietz. Hi, Kevin. Hey, how are you, Mike? Good. Well, there's been lots of stuff going on around the news with regards to police officers, and you hear a lot about the Detroit Police Department and other departments. So we thought it would be a good idea to bring some law enforcement onto our show. We have arranged for Ch Chief Robert Shalai to come on from Shelby Township. He's also the past president of the Southeast Michigan Association of Chiefs. He's going to tell us what's going on in Shelby and other areas, and it's actually active out there right now. So I'm going to bring him onto the show and welcome Chief Shalide. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So you've been a you've been in law enforcement for a long time. How long? Uh, just over 33 years. And you started your career where? The Detroit Police Department back in January of 1987. And then you went, uh, how long were you there? And then where'd you go next? I was there just over seven years. And then I went to the Southfield Police Department back in 94. And I retired as a deputy chief from there in 2015. And then how'd you end up in Shelby? Uh, they, they, you know, they needed a chief and I was through my name in the hat and believe it or not, they hired me. So it worked out really well for us. That's great. Lots of friends out in Shelby. Um, but you're, you're doing this under some crazy times right now. Tell us what's, um, you know, I have lots of friends in law enforcement. I have lots of friends, you know, the, the gun conversation I want to get into with you. Um, you know, there are people are talking, well, that, you know, Crimes are up, crimes are down. I want, you know, we want you to tell us what's really happening, what you're hearing, what's happening in your city. So I'm just going to let you take it away and we'll pepper you with some questions. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, I want to say that in my 33 years in law enforcement, obviously, I think none of us have ever seen anything like this, what's going on right now. So uh, unprecedented times in our history and uh, very, very concerning and, and, you know, obviously very worrisome for all of us. To get through this. Uh, as far as uh, our, our township, um, our call volume is down about 70% from what it normally is. Uh, we're, st we're still getting uh, domestic violences and we've had a few you know, really bad drunk drivers we've arrested. Uh, two mornings ago at 6 a.m., a crew of four guys tried to break into our gun store located right down the block from the police station uh, on Van Dyke, just north of 23. They were picking up big boulders and throwing and smashing off the windows trying to get in. Uh, they were in a stolen vehicle, stolen out of the Grand Rapids air, uh, area. We were able to put them in custody. Uh, they tried to uh, rob another gun store the next day, and they ended up getting caught. Um, yesterday, we had a 48-year-old man driving down in broad daylight, 25-mile road, uh, and he got uh, hit and run. He's in severely critical condition. It's very concerning. Uh, he's an engineer at the take plant. And uh, we, have, we have video of the incident. There's a video uh, camera in the area that picked up everything. We have great description of the vehicle. So uh, this big stuff is kind of happening where the normal little small day-to-day -day stuff is, has kind of went down. So you're making, you know, these guys trying to rob the, um, the gun store, that's a pretty brazen thing. I mean, you caught them. Were they, were they on drugs? Were they, I mean, what, what is your... Um... They're teenagers. They're 16, 17-year-old oh. kids. Out of just living out of the Grand Rapids area, we're still trying to figure out what they were doing in our town, how they ended up over here at our gun store, and we haven't gotten that far yet. Uh, with them being juveniles, it's hard for us to have access to them, and uh, we're just going to have to wait and figure this out uh, as time goes by. You, you mentioned before we got on camera that you had a personal 
uh, situation at your own personal home, Chief. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, I live in West Bloomfield, uh, 14 mile in Drake area. And uh, we've been there for 14 years, never had a problem, nothing. And I was, I was sleeping on the couch. Uh, things have changed. I'm staying up late watching Netflix, a lot on my mind. And I'm sleeping on the couch Saturday morning and I hear my wife uh, screaming uh, by the front door, uh, get out of here, get out of here. She's hitting the door and I woke up in a panic. I went racing to the door. It took me a few seconds to realize what was going on. And there's a man on the other side of our, our front door shouldering our door as hard as he could. He ended up breaking our, our door frame. Uh, we have a brand new door too. It's all brand new. Well, it was stained glass, so I couldn't see out too good. And I put my eyes up to the stained glass and I could see the blur of his, you know, his clothing hitting our door. And I raced and I grabbed my pistol and I came back and uh, I, you know, I was armed and pointing at the door, waiting for him to make entry into the home. Uh, I had my young children in the house behind me. My oldest is 12 and my little one is nine and they were frantic. And I had my wife screaming at me not to shoot him. Okay, screaming, don't shoot him, don't shoot him. Well, wait a second. I'm not going to shoot him through the door, honey, okay? But if he breaks playing in my home, that's going to be the end of him. So uh, he ended up taking off running after about 20, 30 seconds. I started to go after him. There's kids were screaming hysterically at me not to go after him. It's like, you know, and remember, I just came out of a deep sleep. And uh, so anyways, bottom line is he went running down the block, six doors down. He broke into uh, a house. He defeated the sliding glass door within seconds, went in, attacked the 70-year-old man in the house, assaulted him, and then his family rescued the guy, rescued this, the 70-year-old, and then the uh, criminal took off running down the block, uh, hidden some bushes, and then the West Bloomfield police caught him about 10 minutes later. So I found out later that he's wanted on a uh, immigration's custom enforcement detainer, otherwise known as ICE. Uh, he's an uh, immigrant, a Russian national, spoke no English. And uh, I've got to think that he was on some kind of meth, uh, meth, you know, meth, that crazy drug makes him hopped up. Because who else would try to do something like that? Oh, I forgot to tell you, let me backtrack. Uh, my wife saw him in my vehicle. So this is how this all started. And she started knocking on the bedroom window saying, get out of there, get out of there. Well, he looked her right in the eye and then charged up onto our front porch, opened the storm door and start turning the handle, trying to get in. And then it's when he started trying to use force to get into the home. So the good news about this, he's locked up in the Oakland County Jail, quarter million dollar cash bond. And uh, hopefully he'll, you know, we'll get some justice out of this. That is a crazy story. He picked the wrong dude's house to knock the door in and to go through the car. That is, yeah. I mean, thank God they caught him. Yeah. So what time of the day was this? Well, how early it was, was 9, 10 Saturday morning. You know, shame on me. I left my vehicle unlocked. Like I said, we've been there for 14 years, never had a problem. There's no valuables in my vehicle or anything like that. So he didn't get anything on my truck. But obviously it's an eye opener, wake up for me. You know, we tell people all the time, lock their vehicles. And here I am leaving my vehicle unlocked. But uh, so it was 9, 10 on a Saturday morning. And uh, just, uh, you know, I'm, and I played this through my head a hundred times, how this could have worked out in different ways and what different stuff I could have done. Well, here's the bottom line. I have a 12, a 10, and a nine-year-old in the house, and it all worked out the right way, if that makes any sense, because I did not want to have to do anything in front of my kids. You know what I mean? They'd be traumatized, and next thing you know, my wife would make me sell the house. So I think it all worked out, you know, for the best. You know, the police caught him and, and put him in jail. So there has been a run on guns legitimate buying of guns yep. and I think it's up hundreds of percent. So, you know, you're obviously, what is your position on people going out there and buying guns during this time or any time? 
Well, I think what we're seeing a lot of uh, scared people in our, our population, in our general population, scared. I mean, look what look with the toilet paper stuff. I mean, it's, to me, that's ridiculous. And I have somebody explain it to me. People are scared, and you know, they're confused, and they don't know what to do. So obviously, I understand completely them, you know, putting a, you know, a rush or run on the gun stores and everything. And I think people are fearing the worst. And you know, uh, if you listen to our leaders, uh, this is not going to get, you know worse if that makes any sense the supply uh, a product is not going to get cut off food's not going to get cut off and i don't think anyone's going to need guns to protect themselves uh, and i can tell you as in shelby township i can guarantee you people aren't going to need guns to protect themselves because my police officers are out here 24 7 and we will be on guard until this is over but how happy were you that you had your uh, pistol with you that morning Oh, I was, I was very happy. I'm not telling people not to have a gun to protect. I would tell anybody to have a gun, but, you know, don't go rushing out and get in it because of this coronavirus, if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't think there's a, you, you know, if you're going to get a weapon for the home, you should be trained on it. You should know how to use it. You should have some kind of weapon safety class and not do anything in, in, in haste, if that makes any sense. It, it makes a ton of sense. Um, and, and I think a lot of people are, are thinking that way. I have some friends who are not too far from West Wilfred, Farmington Hills. I'm hearing that there's some, there's been some brazen break-ins with people when the people are at home. I mean, so tell me what you're hearing out from the other departments. Uh, you know, it's funny, like I said, the, 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 the minor stuff is all going down, but the big stuff is still, is still here, it's still relevant. Uh, I think two days ago, uh, they had an armed robbery and then a carjacking in East Point. I'm sure you guys saw the video. Uh, there's a big chase. They chased all over the metro area before they finally crashed at, at Dodge Park and 16 Mile Road. And uh, the, the big crimes are still happening and they're still out there. Well, that's a, it's a good point that people, you know, if they do get a gun, they should definitely go through the right training, have the right safety locks, have the right boxes to protect against the kids, um, you know, you know, making mistakes and, and picking up the guns because that's definitely a, uh, a scary thing. But Mike, right now, uh, if you want, like, if you wanted to go get a gun, uh, you can't go take the classes right now. You, they're not open. Uh, so if if you decided that, oh, I I really want a gun, you you're probably going to have to get a gun illegally, um, and, and that's the that's a concern. If if people are you know out there borrowing weapons from their friends who have them uh, or having guns in the house without any training, I mean that could really be a, a big problem. I agree with you totally, Kevin. And that was my whole point, like not rushing out in haste to do this. Uh, I would recommend anyone to have a weapon in the house to protect their home. Uh, that's what well, I was not saying that earlier. I just don't want people to panic right now during this pandemic. Chief, what, during the, I had a follow-up question on your story with your, at your home. I'm so happy that everything worked out. Had the police, West Bloomfield police already been called before uh, no. you ran away? No, when, when he was at the front door, uh, when I went and grabbed my pistol, I was yelling at my wife to call 911. So my wife was the one that made the call. And you and didn't I, leave the home. You didn't leave the home to chase him, it sounds like. I did not. I wanted to. And listen, I had 550 self-initiated felony arrests in Detroit. So this was no big deal for me to go after him. My kids were right there screaming and crying, don't go after him, daddy. My 10-year-old got hysterical. What am I going to do? Right. You know what I mean? Like, I was torn. You know, I, my instinct said to go after him, but for the first time in my life, I had my little kids and family standing right there scared. So I was in a, in a you know, a spot. Yeah, no, that's a horrible dilemma. And uh, luckily he, I mean, hopefully he didn't hurt that seven-year-old too bad. 
the house that he broke in. He, he hit him with a chair a few times. The seven-year-old got up to try, seven-year-old jumped up and same thing, get out of here, get out of here. And then they started like fighting and wrestling and the guy ended up picking up a chair and start beating the seven-year-old with it. I ended up talking to him out in the street. He lives like six doors down from me and he was fine after the fact, just obviously shaken up. And uh, it's startling when this happens. Our, our homes are our safe zones, obviously. Are you hearing about any other home invasions out in Oakland County or any other county? No, I have not heard of anything. Uh, obviously, okay. uh, I've been so busy here with administrative stuff on a daily basis. You know, like I said, I heard the big news about the the, uh, the crash in Sterling Heights the other day, and that's about it. So you've been hearing in, out of Detroit, out of New York City, that a high percentage of police officers are and first responders are are either quarantined or have the virus. First, you know, what's going on in Shelby? And second, you know, is there special uh, training or special things that you guys are doing to keep your officers safe? You know, we've been lucky uh, from day one. I have a great staff and our captain and deputy chief was able to uh, get all the equipment that we needed, the personal protective equipment. Uh, our officers all have face masks, gloves, uh, hand sanitizer. Our building is cleaned three or four times a day by our cadets, clean all the door handles, go around, clean everything up. And from the beginning, we've been able to stay on top of this and make sure our officers are safe. So uh, we've been very, very, very lucky. I shouldn't say lucky, but we're blessed. Sounds like a uh, hey, it sounds like a fraternity hazing with the cadets, the young officers having to go around and clean your door handles. That's not what they signed up for. But in these times, they I guess they got to do what they got to do. Correct, correct. And like I said, they're but they're doing a great job with it. Like I said, in, in my office alone, I bet you these kids are in my three, four times. Come in, hi, chief. They clean my door handles and head out. They're doing all the door handles. We're spraying everything down. We sent four people down for testing uh, down to Wayne State where they're testing first responders and three of them came back negative so far. And the fourth guy I talked to yesterday, he says he's feeling a lot better. So we're expecting that one to be negative. So thank God, okay. knock on wood, we've been able to avoid it so far. You talk about uh, going on uh, runs for domestic assaults and things like that. Um, you guys don't have any choice. If something's happening, you got to respond. You got to go there. Uh, and yet this virus, nobody seems to know where it is. Uh, I mean, you, I guess police are trained to, to you know, uh, confront a bad guy, but a, a, an invisible virus like that is a, is a whole different kind of enemy. Is there anything uh, that you guys are telling the officers who are out there on the front lines to do or or, or do you just, you go and then you, you got to get tested to see if you caught anything? You know, Kevin, we have a full supply of the N95 masks, but we also have these uh, glass face shields that the officers strap around and it covers their entire, entire face. And then they can also breathe on it because it's not really, uh, it doesn't press up against their face. And uh, they've all been given many many of those and frankly and i've had to deliver this message this is what we signed up for this is why we raised our right hand uh we will be on guard we'll be out there every day if people call the police we're going to be out there and we're going to help them uh, we, we had a, a drunk in the road the other day and two of our young officers pulled up we were able to witness this they jumped out and the first thing they did is put on their gloves and, and their masks to go to go deal with them i'm very proud of them and i don't know if i could have done that back 30 years ago you know what i mean i would probably be running up with my leather gloves on but our officers are very well trained. They're a better police officer we have today than we did 30 some years ago. And they're better trained. It was just like you and I discussed a few weeks ago. Kevin. That, that's, I mean, that's great. It, have, has Shelby issued any tickets for people violating the governor's order uh, to stay at home? No, uh, what we're doing is we're serving cease and desist letters uh, to a lot of the places that you know we get called on. And, you know, and then you have you know uh, some places are just refusing to 
to close for whatever reason or come up with different excuses. And uh, we're basically we're writing it up and sending it over to our city attorney and letting them make the decision what we're going to do. We're not we're not going to get involved to the point where we're not giving tickets or arresting anybody. We'll let our attorneys do that. What kind of businesses are refusing to close? Uh, well, for an example, uh, a church. Uh, we got called to a church congregation on Sunday, and the, the pastor sent me a kind of, not a, a not a nasty uh, email, but it was kind of like, basically, you're violating my constitutional rights, etc. So I consulted with our attorney. Our attorney told me to stand down. So I had to tell my officer, stand down, and I just... I, I responded to the guy and said, look, just please be safe. So uh, that was one example, but we've had a few of them. Actually, I have a good story to uh, tell you if you want to hear it real quick. Sure. I won't mention the name of the uh, business, but uh, I got a call from the corporate lawyer out of state uh, last week. He called me on my cell phone. And I didn't know how he got my number, but he basically said that his company was making thousands and thousands and millions of dollars worth of masks for the public and they were donating masks to the hospitals, et cetera. And he said our officers were, were there uh, during the day and told them they had to close, right? Well, I'm a reasonable guy. You're making masks. This was the time when masks are needed by everybody. I was reading stories where a hospital, the, uh, our healthcare workers only had one mask, you know, a day to work. So I said, well, go ahead, stay open. And I, I will uh, let my staff know, you know, and he said he, they applied for a uh, exemption with the governor. Well, the next day I get in and somebody from that store obviously, you know, figured that I was fed a line of, of trash because he called me and he told me that uh, the masks that they were making weren't N95 masks and they were simply pieces of cloth with a string on it, period. So I ended up calling the lawyer back and I said, look, you, you misled me and I put my neck on the line and I'm not having the attorney general come after me. So uh, you need to close down immediately. And he started giving me a hard time a little bit, but bottom line is he complied. And so that's, I just thought that was interesting. They're finding, trying to find any way possible to, you know, keep their doors open. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, people trying to take advantage. I, I, it doesn't make sense. And the church, the church thing, you know, you, we've been seeing that, you know, you've been seeing people fighting those orders. You saw that pa uh, the, the priest or pastor got uh, um, arrested in Florida for yes. refusing to shut down. Um, and then you're seeing all these people getting sick, like the, the Detroit police officers, they went to this pancake breakfast or something and 45 officers come out sick. It's so scary and sad all at the same time um, because, you know, that fright, I mean, I think that would frighten anybody if the police department gets, gets ravaged, then what? Of course, I mean, we'd be in big trouble. So we're being very careful here. Uh, we have our detectives are basically working from home. They're not coming in. Uh, they're all equipped to work from home. But the bottom line is they're my, my B team. If we have a platoon goes down, I'm going to bring the detectives. And I've told everybody, have your uniforms ready to go. So we have a, have a backup plan. And then we're, we also have mutual aid agreements with all the uh, cities in Macomb County. And uh, we're all willing to help each other. We've been meeting, uh, doing teleconference every few days, discussing with the other chiefs. So if, if we need to send officers over to another department, we will. And hopefully, you know, if we need help over here, they would come help me. What are the biggest challenges the police departments are seeing? Uh, the officers concerned. A lot of officers are concerned for their families, and you know, you know, why are the officers out here in the public? Or and I shouldn't say why, uh, but they're out here in the public and they're worried about bringing the stuff back home to their families. And that's where I had to step up and and let our staff know that we raised our right hand for them. Find a way whether you want to quarantine yourself at your home or keep away from your family. We have to be here and we have to be on duty to protect our residents and our business owners and our businesses and we will. 
Are you seeing technology uh, play a part in helping? I, I know that you your officers probably still have to go to show up at court for some things. Uh, maybe they can do more uh, via video. Uh, I know there's uh, been um, you know some some major advancements in technology separate from the coronavirus, uh, but but some of the, is some of that being used uh, today. Yes, we're using a lot of video conferencing. Uh, we're doing our arraignments on video conferencing. The officers are taking police reports, uh, obviously over the phone, but they're also getting texts from people and pictures and evidence and stuff like that, normally that they would be hands-on. Uh, so uh, anything minor, I've given the officers full autonomy to handle the report as best as they can without putting themselves in any type of jeopardy. So they're all using their cell phones and their smartphones. Yes, Kevin. What are the patrol officers seeing on the streets? Are people following this stay-at-home rule or are people, you know, some they talk about younger kids still trying to congregate in parks or meet up and, and, and try and do stuff. What, do you, what are your people on, this, on the streets seeing? That's exactly what's going on. Uh, they've been sent as pictures of uh, our parks. Our parks are jammed. They're literally jammed. They're, they, you know, the Riverbends Park over on 22 Mile Road in Auburn has uh, yesterday had over 200 cars. Uh, everyone's playing basketball in, uh, in the skate park, all congregating close to each other. So we come by in the PA, please clear out, you know, and they, they've listened so far. Everyone, you know, they're behaving, but they're, they are congregating in the parks, like you mentioned. Yeah, so that's amazing that they're that they're not getting that message, uh, you know, to 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 not uh, get within six feet of each other. I mean, obviously they they've heard it. They've just decided they're they're not going to to do it. Right, I agree. The uh, teleconferencing. I saw uh, the uh, um, chiefs of police put out a a. a, a kind of a warning on these uh, hackers who are hacking into these Zoom teleconference meetings and, and uh, distracting and destroying people. Are you seeing uh, people take advantage of the coronavirus to try and, I don't know, either scam people out of money or to, to do things? We're getting alerts from the FBI and the state police uh, almost daily on that kind of stuff. Uh, but thankfully, we have not experienced it here yet. That's good. How is how is how is the morale with police? Well, you and I have talked about this before. It's a tough job, you know. The 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 police and the community have kind of been at odds in the past few years in in some major cities. You know, all these uh, police incidents that are on videotape, which you know is a, a small, tiny percentage of uh, of policing, but it's kind of created this uh, feeling between the community and police. Uh, is not with this coronavirus. Has it changed anything? Are, are people looking to the police as, my gosh, you're you're still showing up when we need you? Uh, are, are you are you guys feeling and women feeling they're getting more respect from the community? You know, Kevin, I can only talk about you know our town specifically. I don't have details for other other towns. And out here, it's business as usual. Uh, I mentioned to you a few weeks ago that we have a great relationship with our community, and nothing has changed. And I don't think uh, we're elevated any higher status than we possibly could be out here because it's very high to begin with. That's good to hear. Yes. Yeah, I only hear good things about, you know, you guys out there and you're doing a good job and make sure your officers know how much we all appreciate it. Um, because, you know, these first responders, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing and it's amazing how many other types of first responders there are. I mean, of course, police and EMTs, but now you have the, you have the grocery clerks and the truck drivers and the people who are keeping us, the Amazon workers and the FedEx workers. And my kids are making thank you cards and giving out little Amazon cards to all of the post post people. Um, it's, it's, it's really, uh, 
it's just a remarkable time. But, I, you know, we really appreciate you taking the time to come out and talk to us today, um, share your stories. And as things progress, uh, we'd love to have you back on another day. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate both of you guys. All right. Stay, stay safe. You too. I was just going to say that. Stay safe, Chief. We'll Thank talk you. soon. You never know who you're going to see. I beat one guy one-on-one my whole career. It's timing. It's right for time. the clinching goal to bring the trophy back. What you're going to hear. You got a lot of desperate people in the city. They're desperate because they don't have opportunity. Or what they've got to say. When you can take people inside of a crime, show them things they wouldn't normally see. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That's what you're going to hear on my podcast, Open Mic. Find it where you find your podcasts. Thanks for watching another episode of Open Mic with Kevin Dietz and Chief Robert Shalide from Shelby Township. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I did. And if you liked it, please share it with your friends and family and subscribe to our channel so we know that you like what we're doing and we'll keep trying to bring you good content. Thanks, Kevin, as usual. You bet. That was a good, uh, really good uh, interview. I couldn't believe some of the stories the Chief had. Just fantastic. He's, and he seems like a really good guy and he really cares. So thank you, everybody, and stay safe, Michigan.